I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch H.P. Lovecraft's Eurotrip. how you're feeling but uh i already we're know both we're, sick. we're both sick uh <laughs> this is this is a terrible year i feel like everyone i know everyone, sick. everyone's sick well i've uh, to be fair everyone that you know i also know and i've been going around and just coughing right in their fucking faces <laughs> this is from pete and we love to watch <laughs> you're the mouth coffer Oh, yeah. I only cough out of my mouth <laughs> exclusively this so yeah this is our uh, this is our Dayquil episode, Dayquil and Booze episode, so if it gets a little weird at the end, uh, hopefully our editing chops uh, are good. <laughs> That's going to be the kind of uh, sentence dwindling into nothing that you're going to, you can expect all night, so. <laughs> hopefully, this is good, this is good. So, you know, movies. <laughs> <laughs> movies, we do four to five movies in a month on a single theme uh and we tell you about that theme ahead of time so you know what the theme is so you're actually you're actually going for it i thought you were demonstrating someone who is sick trying to work this out mm, no i just sound terrible yeah so um, no we're we're we love to watch now rewind and everything that pete said <laughs> um we uh are not recording this episode inside of a human nose uh, <laughs> so uh we are a uh, a movie podcast the first of oh, its yeah. kind the last of its kind um yeah and, we've been and, we've been taking them out one by one by coughs <laughs> where our theme is chosen every month the theme that we're currently on is love and monsters and it is a journey through uh humans and the monsters they love and maybe the difficulties they have in their relationship <laughs> And we're doing yeah. this because it's it's February. This is it's February. Month. month of love. Month of love. Last year was the month of football. Sports. Sports. And love. I mean, this is their fourth. Can we be clear? Even though this is like we have yet to release a Love and Monsters episode, this is our last week mm-hmm. uh, t- to you. So you guys know all about this theme because you've heard it for three weeks. And let me do a physical demonstration of what this theme's all about. Making sex hand stuff going on. I thought you were imitating the sound of a heart beating, and I was like, that's kind of sweet, Aaron. Okay, hold on. Let me do that. (laughs) Also, if your heart is like that, then... Well, hey, Peter, it's a monster's heart, maybe? Don't be such a cardiovascularist. (laughs) 
It's where you judge people based on your version of how hearts sound, Peter. Sir, this sounds, your heart sounds terrible. Uh, uh, My heart just uh, beats uh, to a different drum than yours, all right? Don't be so judgmental. A a very slow, the bass drum, the big one with the gongs that the guy carries like wrapped around. What's that one called? What's that big drum called? Welcome to Drum Talk, where we try to remember different names of drums. Uh, tympanum? Is is tympanum and timpani two different things? I think the tympanum you... is the drum in the ear. Okay, so, so, but timpani is a kind of drum, but I thought it was a no, small... It's, that was like a, he like said, a... what about playing drums at timpani? <laughs> wow. So, we're talking about Spring today, which is one spring of my favorite movies. Sprung. Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. I wish it had sprung here. Maybe we would have had less day cool between the two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're talking about Spring, the 2015 uh, movie. One of my favorites of that year. I am so excited to talk about it. And that's why we're powering through. We are, even though we are uh, physically a mess, we're mentally exhausted. Probably some other things going on in our lives. Peter, you got that whole fiance thing. I got a baby on the way in a month. We are booked yeah you can say love is in the air for me for aaron love was in the air eight to nine months ago about eight months ago i mean we're it's four weeks from today is the the planned (laughs) c-section peter i have a game so here's the thing so this movie's named spring and that's it it just ends it's a word and then boom done which is crazy because you know how many other movies have the word Spring in their title? Don't answer. It's it's literally hundreds. That's not an exaggeration. There are hundreds of movies with the words spring in their title. But let me tell you something else, Peter. There's even more when you make up fake titles that also have spring in their fake title. And, and we make Peter guess, hey, that a real spring or fake spring? I'm hope springs eternal about the outcome of this game. Yeah, I hope so, too. Uh, <laughs> so dumb. I need- Why are we doing this? We run the only we run the only game show where the contestants have uh, bad pun lines. Usually, that's left to the hosts. Well, here's the thing about our show, Peter, and I think eagle-eared listeners will understand it. Uh, sometimes you're the host, and sometimes our, I'm the host. If you've ever been a host slash contestant, it just and it just goes back and forth week in week out. It would be really hard to switch gears. <laughs> like, so hard. And none of you know. None of you fucking know what it's like to sit here one day. I got all the cards. I'm king of the world. Next day, just hoping to take money back to my Ohio University dorm. Like, <laughs> I, o- I only watch college weeks. Uh, um, yeah, you um, – if you've ever had a tapeworm before, you know what being a host is all about. Oof. Uh, <laughs> Oh, our show's canceled. I just got word from the network. Um, they're going to replace it with another season of $20,000 Pyramid with Donny Osmond. I'm glad to hear that We Love to Watch Network has canceled We Love to Watch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's really the only people that have the power to do it because they just let us do this. There's no there's no governing body and I think it's pretty clear there should be. <laughs> um, anyways, Peter, your first real or fake spring movie, The Truth About Spring. Fake. That's real. What is it? What's the truth about spring? I haven't seen it. 
just got went through a list. Did not look up recaps. These are just real titles. You at home, listening on your phones, driving to work, look it up. So uh, if I had to ask you to maybe like guess what the truth about spring is, what would you say? Comes after winter. That is a, fa- a true fact about spring. Fact. Fact. It's a point for me, no points for you. All right, spring 1941. Real. Yeah, that's right. Oh, great year. Great great year for springs. If you're like a spring connoisseur, mm. you want to open the, the 1941. <laughs> good blo- yeah, good, good blossoming. Like good one at Good all. blossoming that year. Oh, well, where are you being Eurocentric? Yeah, like the year oh, that Australia was great. <laughs> the year that uh, the America. U.S. entered World War II. Yeah, but that was win- that was like way at the end. Spring 1941 was great. We were America first. We're never getting into World War II. <laughs> we're just making cars, getting out of the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. But spring 1942, Peter, not a good one. Not so good. Not so good. All right. Uh, today was spring. It sounds like a dumb art movie, and I'm going to say it's real. It's fake. It's fake. It's fake. Not real. It is a dumb art movie, though, in my it's, head. It, it sounds like one of those dumb art movies uh, where they're like, hey, look at all the art we're doing. We don't have any tentacle monsters in our movie. Who would watch that? I got to tell you, out of, I said there are hundreds of movies named Spring. It's a, it's a tiny percentage that has uh, tentacle fuck monsters, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Proceed through your game. Look, I've never seen that Spring 1941. I have to assume that's. I mean, it was a good spring, but not like, you know, tentacle fuck monster spring. So That's few, a good. So few springs are uh, up to that level. <laughs> All right. Uh, 17 moments of spring. Real. That's co- correct. Mm-hmm. Um, ring I don't it. think you know what the word moments means. Oh, yeah. The precious ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, ring, ring a ding ding. Here comes spring. Ring a ding ding. Here comes spring. Uh, I'm going to say fake and then regret it. That is fake, but okay. you're, you're right. That that has like early Chaplin short written all over it. Yeah, it sounds like back when every uh, romantic comedy was like, ain't she a stinker? And like, <laughs> the, you know she's tripping. <laughs> Wait, no. <laughs> every, every movie, every romantic interest is a 40-year-old lady who lives with her father. Yes. <laughs> and they're all um, named Gilda. Uh, early spring? Real. Late spring? Fake? No. Late spring is like the most famous one. Huh? Is that the yeah. Ozu movie? Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought early, early spring, spring was real. Movie. Early spring is a real movie, but it's not the Ozu. Late spring, also a real movie. The last spring? Uh, real. Correct. Yesterday was spring? <laughs> real. Correct. Spring, summer, fall, winter, and spring? <laughs> real? Correct. I know that there was a movie with a name like that, but I didn't know if Spring happened twice in it. No, it's really good. I would recommend yeah. it. Is that a Chinese uh, movie? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's excellent. Um, uh, spring, summer, fall, winter, and spring, summer, fall, winter, and spring. <laughs> False. Be great sequel title, though. I think we all agree. It would be. But that is, like, weirdly enough, when, <laughs> when Chinese movies come to America, that's, like, how they're titled. Like... <laughs> They're like, the last Emperor Six. <laughs> Couple more. Uh, spring, summer, fall, winter, and spring, summer, fall, winter, and spring, and summer, and fall, and winter, and also spring. 
That's got to be real. Oh, my God, Peter. I got you good. It's a fake one. What? <laughs> no. All right. You're a good writer. Uh, thanks, Ben. Uh, night, day, flowers, a sandwich, Ronald McDonald, a used Nissan Sentra, the theme song to Goof Troop, and Spring. <laughs> False. Great. Uh, <laughs> Wait, sorry. False. But I will be making that movie immediately after this. <laughs> One, one last one. Uh, spring, 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 and spring. False. It's correct. It's not. A, uh, not is really this like how you wanted to name the show? Movies, 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 movies. <laughs> is that one of my ideas? Yes. Uh, we had a lot before settling. Mm-hmm. Now let's put a little spring in our step. Uh, get ready for some fucking puns and talk about the movie Spring. Spring has sprung, and so have I. You got a boner on your dick? Threw up in a bucket. We're not. I don't think we're that kind of sick. I'm more like uh, uh, people don't want to touch me sick than like I can't do anything sick, which is fun because you don't get any credit for still going to work and oh. doing everything else that you're supposed to do. Peter, this is a good time to do this movie then because sometimes that's the way our protagonist thinks. Mm. People don't want to touch her. <laughs> She'll eat them. That's true. She'll gobble them right up. She's, She's a- sick too. Just different, but you you can relate. Let's let's get rid of the plot. Let's do all this stuff. So my alternate tagline uh, for this really quickly is uh, "Meet the parents for my parents are ashen husks." <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly, the it's where, they're dead. It's, it's where the series always was going. I think this is the logical conclusion. Like, hey, come to Vesuvius. Meet my Parents. Oh, and my brother. Yeah, <laughs> I've got I've got eight tentacle nipples. Greg, can you milk me? <laughs> uh, and then uh, it's, it's, there's other jokes to be had there too. Um, I, can you name another moment in Meet the Parents that you no. remember? No. Uh, uh, they're like he goes to the wine shop and he's like, "There's only cheap wine." Maybe there's a joke there. Oh, I, there's the bomb. There's the bomb part. Yeah. There's a yeah. So many laughs in that movie. There's the bomb part. There's the nipple part. Owen Wilson's in there for a little bit, guys. A sexy ex boyfriend. Oh yeah, no. And who is sexier in 2001 than Owen Wilson? Besides other people, including his own brother. Yeah, we should call him Blowing Wilson because everyone was doing it. Peter, 90 second. Or sorry, I'm not respecting the rebrand. Quick recap. Uh, so, Spring is a film directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, who are these... We'll uh, call them the boys. We'll call them the hot boys. We'll call them uh, the boys, because I'll tell you what, when they went to Italy, you know what the first thing they said? What? Boys are back in town. 
Because they had been there before to scout for locations. That's a wise thing to do. Uh, it's good to not just go to Italy and be like, well, shoot here. Yeah. <laughs> Boys are back in town. Here are permits. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> uh, oh, so the film it begins in San Diego. A man is sitting in, with his dying mother um, saying goodbye to her in this very sort of like bleak, gray, heartbreaking scene. He goes to a bar with his best friend and they're just getting drunk and, you know, being after a funeral, right? There's kind of nothing going on. He doesn't have any family around. There wasn't that many people to bury his his mom. So he basically just has his one drunk best friend. They end up getting into a violent fight. He goes home. He hangs out with a friend. He's trying to figure out, like, what he should do next now that he is free of his mother, who he had been taking care of for years now. Because uh, he went back to – because the whole reason he was back there is that his dad had died and then yes. his mom got sick and he left school. Yeah, he never kinda, finished Kind of be a townie. Yeah. Yeah. He basically uh, is trying to figure out what he wants to do and in the morning he wakes up and he's like, the cops are knocking on his door and he's basically like kind of puts together, oh, that violent fight I was in last night and I lost my job at because of – I need to get out of town because of that. So he says, why, why does he choose Italy? He talks a little bit about that his family had always planned to go on a vacation to Italy before all this shit happened. Uh, so, anyways, he gets sent to Italy through both, you know, a, a hunch. He kind of just is going wherever his heart sets him. Uh, he does the tourist thing. He uh, meets up with some British hooligans. Goes to a hostel. Gets his innards cut out. Part of a rich guy <laughs> scheme. Did that you watch thing. the same movie? <laughs> oh, I watch Hostel. Oh, 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 oh. I just said the movie Spring has a hostel. I didn't say that it takes... Oh. Well, that's why we're confused. Yeah. Um, Anyways, I watched Love Actually. Oh, boy. So, Liam Neeson's (laughs) wife, dead. Uh, Spoilers for Love Actually. And real life. Um, So... (laughs) Jesus Christ. You can cut that out. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll leave it in because <laughs> I am a bad person. Uh, so uh, he goes to Italy. He, he hangs out. You're like, you're like Mel Gibson, but like it's just a dayquil. That's why I said those things. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he meets up with some British hooligans. They travel around. They stumble upon this beautiful coastal city, and uh, the hooligans sort of drift out of the picture as they do. And he becomes obsessed with this gorgeous uh international woman he thinks she's italian at first but she has like a very strange accent and like there's definitely more to her he's like uh, much like transformers yeah more than meets the eye more than meets the eye yes Uh, but not like transformers a robot in disguise not like that she is not a robot in disguise uh she's kind of eldritch uh, horror in disguise she's she is a monster in disguise, right? Because yeah. like, her human form is like what she has to. She's suppressing her monster to be more. Well, actually, that's not no. Because it's, it's complicated. Because she's yeah, her default. It's just like the no movie. Pill. It's just like the movie. It's complicated. It's a little complicated. <laughs> but it, with no pills, her natural state is that that form. No, it, it, we'll get to we'll get to all the stages of the monster because she's like. She's basically going through a, tran- a transformation. We've already spoiled that she is a, she is a monster, but he's sort of dating her and courting her, trying to figure out things about her past. She knows a million languages. She apparently has lived multiple lives. She knows she's very um, aware of the world, but she's um, youthful and fun and beautiful in the way uh, you know a dream young woman would be. And yeah, she's, she's a manic pixie nightmare girl. <laughs> 
she the movie does st- kind of seem like a manic pixie dream girl or a euro trip style here's a hot girl he's gonna try and fuck and then the movie immediately like just upends your expectations yeah. for that and then uh he he starts to figure out more about her he thinks she has a uh drug habit because he finds a syringe on her floor and he asks her about it and she's sort of shy and like no i i don't really feel like yeah i'm just sick i'm just sick sick. but it's not aids she says yeah she says like i'm sensitive to sunlight yeah so uh let's jump forward a little bit they've been dating for a while they are truly you know like by a while means five days courting yes courting and in love um and he just he comes home uh, to her one day to her apartment and she has transformed transformed into this uh, horrible tentacle beast. He uh, injects her with what he thought was drugs originally, and she told him it was medicine. She trusts him. She he injects her with the medicine. She turns back to her normal form. He freaks the fuck out. He, he has no one to talk to. He tries to call home. Like, he has nothing. It's just her and him, and she's trying to explain it all to him, but also trying to, like, explain, like, this is why I wanted you to go away. This is why yeah. I, didn't wa- I didn't want you to be – I just needed you for sex. He had unprotected sex with her the first night that they uh, – Second night. Went on, the, the first night they went on a real date. So, she is not quite – we could consider her a monster in the – broader sense of the world word she's not a girl not yet a woman yeah <laughs> she is uh sort of a britney spears type no she is not so we sell donna's there because that sounds like a value judgment to call her a monster right well i mean that's kind of what our entire month has been is making some pretty clear value judgments yeah. on, pe- on people and it's sort of seeing the humanity in the monster but she's like i'm not a monster i am actually it's it's, semi- it's not magic it's not supernatural there's just science we don't understand and every 20 years i eat my own uh, baby gets born inside me i like then uh reabsorb it into myself i take half its dna i keep all my memories and i become a different looking person with different abilities my mom was the same way i've lived for two thousand years if uh i ever am in love though i don't i just stay human and she says she specifically says it's not making a choice it's a rather romantic picture of of uh, of what love is you know the movie begins with someone who's kind of I mean, he loves his mother, but he's, like, stuck with her. He basically had all of his options taken away. He had to come home from school. He had to, like, come home and take care of her. His mom and him seem to have a very good relationship, but, like, he's bound to her, and he seem- he feels like he has no choice. In this matter, also, she has no choice. She can't say, I'm in love with him, and then, you know, sign a piece oh, of yeah, paper. Oh, yeah, I'd like to stay with him. And she kind of says pretty clearly, because I really want to get into this part, that, like, I'm not – I like you – but I'm not giving up mortality for you. And he's like, just spend a day with me uh, before you transform and eat my baby and turn into something different. Because she's like, we can't date after that because then I am 50% you. Mm-hmm. She also says she she doesn't know 100% if she's in love with him until the final moments of the movie. And the final moments of the movie are very interesting. It's not quite as strange as the ending of Resolution, their previous yeah. movie. Resolution is a movie I've watched twice and I still don't really understand. It, it, it's not quite as strange as that, but it is she is in her normal human form. Uh, the way she looked before, importantly, she is not some weird CGI mix of him and her. And a volcano is going off behind them. But you do he- but you do hear a noise like she's Slippery. starting to transform. Yes. But then it cuts to her and there's no sign of it. 
So it, it really is a very M. It's why I didn't show this to my wife, uh, because uh, my wife hates, uh, Shauna hates ambiguous endings. And I was like, a movie where it kind of builds to will, there, will they or won't they, like, but a will they or won't they be able to genetically stay together? <laughs> um, and then leaves it in a very open-ended way. I knew she would hate. Yeah, um, my my um, girlfriend also had some trouble with the ending, and I think if you're not into ambiguous endings, the ending isn't quite ambiguous, but like there really? is there's some mystery to it that is not a hundred percent solved. The main mystery is solved. I think she is in love with him. Oh, interesting. Or else she would have looked like she would have looked like a weird mix of hybrid of the two, or or she would have freaked out and eaten him. So. Let's 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 go there right after some background because we can start there and go to some stuff we like. But that is ultimately the question. And I think how a lot of this movie works. So I should say I had seen Resolution before this movie. Uh, This was recommended to me by the Dissolve when they used to have their essential viewing. Uh, This was on there. Um, And then I think I went and watched because this was in theaters. and I couldn't watch it yet. It mentioned they had made this movie called Resolution, which was on Netflix. uh, And I loved it. And this the and and so again another very low budget horror movie. I actually watched a little of the making of uh, on the DV or the Blu-ray of this, and it's kind of a great. They they kind of film them trying to figure out how they're going to get funding for their next movie, wanting to shoot in Italy, going to Con to try to figure out funding, and then also like look for locations and then finding this little small town and like shooting there for four weeks. This I love this kind of indie horror revolution where a movie can make $50,000 at the box office on limited release and still be enough of a success that they have another movie coming out in March, Peter, called The Endless, finally. Oh, finally. They're they're super talented filmmakers. I can't wait to see what they do next. And this really, I mean, this is one of my favorite movies of 2015. I've said on the show that this is like my little baby, my little special sweet baby, because 2015 had some really, really good movies. Stuff like uh, It Follows and Mad Max and Inside Out. But this is the one I w- I've been the most like evangelical about in the sense that most people I don't think have seen it or even heard of it. And I really do love it. And it's always scary revisiting a movie that when it was fresh and it was new and people were talking about it, that you gave this much um, import to. And so now two years later, kind of revisiting it, I was so happy. I I loved it just as much. I'm like, oh yeah, no, this is amazing. I love everything about this movie. Um, So I, this is such a perfect capper to this month. I'm glad we both uh, like it. I'm, but it's interesting that we're taking some different things away from it. And I, I actually view this movie differently in some ways than I did when it came out. But I think the movie leaves a lot to your personal interpretation. So it really is – I think it's truly ambiguous in the way there's not a right or a wrong way to view it. It it definitely kind of holds up a – holds up a mirror to society, man. Uh, but it does. I think it holds up a mirror to yourself and going, well, what do you see here? Because we've we've given you a lot of contradictory information for you to make your own conclusion. Um, and I definitely feel differently about the ending and their relationship than I did the last time. Um, and both readings, though, I think are equally successful. So anyways, we'll get we'll get right into the ending. Peter, I know you've seen this one before. I know you you like it. What's what's your What's your history? What's the what's the history, Kenneth? As uh, someone who would shoot Dan Rather would say, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've actually never shot Dan Rather. 
Oh, you should try it. Uh, that guy's resilient. <laughs> he bounces back. REM will write a song about you. Yeah. Um I uh never shot uh, never had an REM write a song about me. I've never shot Dan rather. No part of that um Venn diagram do I fit in. Uh so my my history with the movie is actually that Aaron made me watch this and uh I'd already seen Resolution. I did? Yeah. Man, it's so weird because we have been friends for like over two years now that yeah. like I, I don't remember recommending that. Yeah, you like made me watch it, and I was like, I was like, okay, I'll see it. Like it, it, it cut a really pretty trailer, but like I had apprehensions because for one, I was like, Resolution is this wonderful mind bender. This is them making. It looked like they were like making a super conventional movie about like a dude who goes to Europe and finds monsters. It, it, the pitch to it didn't seemed to make sense to me from these super promising filmmakers. I was like, maybe this, their last movie, you know, the money men were like, this looks cool, but like, eh, we need something that actually makes sense next time. Around. <laughs> you got it right. And in some ways, this movie is way more mainstream than resolution. Uh, I never, never would have shown resolution to uh, my girlfriend. Uh, well, it's um, interesting because I'll, I'll pause you for a second. Cause they talk about on the documentary that resolution was their movie about, uh, friends about two best friends going through something and this movie was like well what do we do that's different than that to tackle a new theme and this was like their movie about a relationship so and they were worried they weren't going to be able to make this movie next because of wanting to shoot in italy they felt like making an otherworldly location was very important to the plot not otherworldly but like a foreign location that where you feel like you are not at home and finding an anchor that makes you feel at home uh, was very important to their story. I think the movie uh, is is beautiful. It is way more conventionally pretty than Re- Resolution looks like a indie psychological thriller. Um, yeah, it looks first like movie. A, it looks like a primer, a coherence. Uh, it, it like a movie that's not really. It doesn't really look pretty, but like the very simple digital aesthetic kind of. Um, adds to it as opposed to whatever this movie is a beautiful looking movie um this movie actually opened my eyes to how wonderful drone filmmaking can be oh yeah in in traditional filmmaking not obviously i'd seen some cool drone shots of some dude like flying up a mountain or whatever but like more traditional drone film uh, filmmaking where they don't have to you know Get a helicopter and actually having a helicopter would be really disruptive to the whole day of filming. Whereas with this, they could just like attach a camera and go Um, because they it really gives you a taste of what the town looks like. And then they also have like handheld camera work that looks like resolution, but just with way prettier colors because they figured out lighting better this time. Yeah, it really I didn't even you know, what's so funny is that. It seems so fluid and not out of place. It feels very natural and gives this ethereal quality because – and so when people were talking about the drone photography afterwards, uh, about how good it was, I was like, wait, it didn't even stand out for me. And then, you know, rewatching it at the time and rewatching it again, it's very clear like, oh, yeah. They're not getting a fucking helicopter and doing this stuff or cranes in, in this tiny Italy. Of course, that's the drone photography. But it doesn't feel out of place or it doesn't feel like they just have the technology and want to show it off. It feels very much in keeping with the entire aesthetic of the movie. Yeah. It's a uh, – so, yeah, I, I, 
it does feel like a growth from resolution. It feels like they um, were stretching themselves in a technical level, but I also really appreciated the movie uh, on a uh, emotional level. It, it is both a, you know, a horror movie about somebody going to a foreign place and stumbling on something that's much bigger than them. But also, it just gradually becomes a romantic movie, almost like a rom-com by the end. Like, that, when they're, like, going on adventures uh, towards the end, when they have to get out of town, then it's just, like, wall-to-wall jokes for a little bit. Yeah. Um, about how about her state in the world and how, like, they're having so much fun. And it's fun in the way that, like, when you're on a date with somebody who you've just met and you're really clicking with, everything is funny because you're just like enlivened by this this thing. So it feels like a growth from both the technical level that we discussed and it feels like an emotional growth for them because they are making a movie with sincere romance in it and sincere connections between people. Yeah. It's it's a very impressive movie that I originally wrote off. My entire point is it's a very impressive movie that I originally wrote off because um, before I saw it, I was like, but this is just them going more mainstream. Like, yes, it's them going more mainstream, but it's them having to tackle a whole new different type of movie that they did the than they did the first time. And in that way, it's actually very brave. They didn't, they weren't just like confined to their own little weird like. Uh, we're gonna make another weird th- uh, psychological thriller that you know is only for our small audience, and it's only gonna cost this much because that's all we can do. This is them being like, it's gonna cost a little bit more money. It's gonna invite in more people, and. Yeah, this this is a great calling card for them. This is a movie that I think you show it to people and they're like, okay, you can do everything. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's crazy. It's been four years and we're finally getting their next movie. But neither here nor there. You mentioned the relationship and how, how much it feels like a romantic comedy and how much it feels like um, a real relationship. And I, I think that is what we're going to end up talking a lot about in this, in this uh, episode – not just because I think it is one of the best on-screen relationships um, I've ever seen. I was really rooting for them. They felt like a real couple. The depiction is is so well done, and the dialogue is so well done, and the performances are so good. At no point do I feel like I'm watching a meet-cute or a movie where they're trying to like it feels like a real relationship and i think one of the reasons we're gonna spend a lot of time talking about it too is that this movie is laser focused on them there is not much happening outside of them there's barely any subplots the tiny crumbs of a subplot like about him and the farm he's working on or her going off and committing the rituals all fold back in on the main plot there is not much besides a almost two-hour movie after the first 20 minutes about giving giving space and breath to us becoming invested in a relationship, which is very tricky because this movie acknowledges that it has been a week. It has been a week since they met. That's why she's about to absorb his um, cells because that's about how long – five to seven days is usually how long it takes to fertilize a baby. Trust me. <laughs> I've done it twice. Um, and – yeah, I mean, the math checks out. It was definitely five to seven days. <laughs> um, so, and it doesn't hide from that fact. They keep bringing it up. She keeps calling it out. Peter, you don't need to contribute. You've never done it. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Just trust your friends on how long it takes to fertilize an egg. Oh, well, it's easy because none of my friends have babies. 
you sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> you and your freedom to do whatever you want. Yeah. I consider uh, anybody that would have a baby to be not my friend. Well, I tried to get her to absorb it into her body and become a new person and then rob a bank. It didn't work. Um, you want, yeah. Wait, hold on. To be, clear, to be clear, you want your wife to become a half you and you would like for her to remain your wife? Oh, you know, these are the questions. <laughs> I didn't get into all the, the moral quandaries. You know, if you ask questions all the time about everything and you question all the good things in your life, Peter, you're going to end up in some weird spots. So just let life pass you by. Let your wife turn into part you and rob a bank. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this movie is just so laser focused on their relationship. And it's a good relationship. But you're right. They, the movie does call it out constantly. It's been five to seven days. And that's why. But if you've ever let's start here, because if I've been in relationships where I felt like I was in love after five to seven days. This movie, better than most movies, it, it doesn't do it in that fake Hollywood way. This does feel like a legitimate couple that just really connects quickly and ends up feeling like they have dated for a long time. Yes, um, I agree with you. I think that sometimes when you you meet somebody and you actually have time to like get together quickly and sometimes it takes Mm -hmm. relationships a while to develop. Yeah. Um, And sometimes like you can go on a one date and then like it doesn't really make sense. Then you go on a second date and you're like, oh, now it makes sense. Like there's no right and wrong way to have a relationship. I think this movie is very – it's actually more skeptical of uh, love at first sight relationships than it is of, you know, long-term dedicated relationships. It's like long-term, you know, like we had to figure some stuff out relationships. Like, yes, the relationship progresses very fast, but the movie is very suspicious of that because it is a recognition of how weird being human is. The idea that you can both be – feeling this feeling of intense love but you're an intelligent person so you're like well we just met, well, i still so. gotta keep i still gotta keep this away from them and like when do, what when do i start taking away my defenses yes like when do when do i start saying oh yeah p.s my mom just died that's why i'm here and oh p.s i'm a i'm an eternal monster who has to change who they are every 20 years and i i have no sense of permanence and i i just am so goddamn impressed with the directors and writers of this movie's ability to catch that feeling of instant chemistry and like what that means they're not doughy eyed they don't walk around just like oh i love you and they're doing special things like they just have a it's probably the thing that gets said most positively about this movie of what a natural seeming relationship they have but i think that deserves to be underlined and circled because even some of the best romantic movies or movies with people with chemistry natural is very rare in movies you you usually get the sense that these are good actors pretending to like each other and going through the motions that the plot demands. And this movie really lets them breathe and really makes it seem like these two are meeting for the first time. That's really well put. And I, I do think we need to underline it because unlike any movie we've done this month, it, the movie does become laser focused on those two on, uh, with um, both King Kong and Bram Stoker's Dracula – 
Uh, it is about and Shape of Water. There's outside stuff going. There's outside on. people, but in King Kong and Bram Stoker's Dracula, also the ex-boyfriend is involved, or like the ex, or the ex-interest is involved. So like, there's almost a love triangle. In this, there's no villain. That's another thing to point out. Um, the closest the movie gets to the, a villain is immigration cops. And all that does is it motivates them to go on the road and take their love story to a different town. Yeah. Um, there's a uh, – when Evan goes to town and he – this is Oh, he goes town. to town. He goes to town. When he moves Literally. to a small Italian town, he doesn't just like move in with her like I made it seem in my recap. He actually stays with uh, an old Italian guy who runs a farm. Um, and he's a he's a widower. He's got he's lived a full life. They don't fully speak the same language. Uh, the the Italian guy um, speaks more English than Evan speaks uh, Italian. Uh, he he only exists at a certain point in the movie to impart lessons on Evan and that Evan goes and internalizes for his relationship with her. Yeah, it's 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 a. But yeah, but the other thing that I think that they do really well, you're right, he's not that important to the plot, he's not in the movie that much. I think it's even that is so much more abstract than like giving advice. He just kind of talks about what it was like for him to be in love, which we can recognize as a parallel. And then also it does a really good job of because what the the quote the farm they're working on or the the farm work they have him doing is getting caterpillars and parasites and stuff off of uh, the trees that they're they're growing stuff on. So all of those lessons are really great, like quick moments of like nature's fucking weird. <laughs> so like it's about how these two trees have merged into one tree. So there's like two different fruits giving off, and it really parallels. I mean, obviously it's not subtle about what it's doing, but it does give that sense that the movie is very much trying to do is what if the Lovecraftian monster is not scary it's not supernatural it's not some unknowable thing which is really the hallmark of lovecraft what if it is extremely knowable we're just not there yet so having all these little moments to parallel to the uh animal and plant kingdom where it gets you know the plant kingdom and the insect kingdom especially parasite kingdom and all that kind of stuff there's no parasite kingdom (laughs) but like that type of like it's removed enough from human to seem alien and bizarre while still being a thing that is a real thing that, you know, that exists. It really kind of takes that unknowable Lovecraftian elements and boils it down to, yeah, we don't know what's going on here either, audience members, but this is about as naturalistic as you can get for a Lovecraft depiction. Yeah, the movie isn't really that Lovecraftian in the sense that, like, it's not except about, tentacles. Except for tentacles, um, this is very much about like she is a, a, a Louise is a intelligent woman. She's yep. done a ton of research into herself as any as anybody would, but she can speak with it with a lot of uh, yeah. fluency. She she's works a biogenetic a chemist. Yes, she works. She works in a, she works in a hospital, and she at least performs tests on people. I'm not sure to what extent that would be if she's a full on doctor or she's like an RN or something. I mean, you uh, think she's she, had she, enough she, time to do her eight years? But like, right? you only, you have to switch Post-grad. every twenty years. Why would you be a doctor? Each oh yeah, time? no, she's probably not licensed, but I'm sure she has the <laughs> medical no training. Is what I'm saying. 
Well, and uh, so it's played by this woman, uh, Nadia Hilker, who is a German actress, which explains why her accent is not Italian. Um, and she is German. She's German. She is beautiful. She is like Evan is like a sort of um, because this is an indie movie. Uh, Evan is like, a you know, handsome enough guy, but he's not like this, like big like hunky like uh, you know chris uh pine he's not like a, a hollywood chris you know no where you're like were you carved from stone um, no but he's definitely a hollywood evan yeah he's a hollywood evan for sure and what's fun is that you would expect louise to be this distant you know godlike entity they make Louise very funny and cute and charming and smart and she has and she has and a, warm She's warm. She has like a, a, a an intelligence that she like that she makes mistakes in relate in, in conversation. Yeah. She's not there just to inform Evan about the ways of the world. She makes mistakes too because this is something that she's not even used to. I don't think she's used to having relationships like this where she gets this close no. to somebody. She mentions that she's had a few and never been in love. But I I love that that they do not make her this like wise person imparting wisdom like she makes mistakes too and even when they're they're talking about her her having been around for 2000 years she kind of says like yeah i don't know a lot of stuff actually just because you're around for 2000 years doesn't mean that like you know all the secrets to everything i've lived my life i've had fun i've done dumb stuff i've done smart stuff let's let's kind of go to this because do you know what the big criticism of this movie is peter um, I would imagine that people don't like Evan. My girlfriend didn't like Evan. Uh, you're, you're right. That is 100% what it is. And they feel like he's a little bit too broy and not special enough. And then we're supposed to buy that. It's, it's almost like a male fantasy. Like, I'm just a dumb guy that works at a bar and didn't finish college. But then I go to Europe and this beautiful woman's in love with me. And I don't think that that criticism is fair you know the 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 question of deserving doesn't even come up like he's not he is supposed to be just kind of an average joe that as louise says like yeah you know what you're fun i feel comfortable with you talking to you is easy and you make me laugh the thing i love most about this movie is is how real they feel they they say fun both of them they say both say funny things they both say smart things they say a lot of dub things, Evan especially. Especially they when he's stuff. like in the throes of love. He says very yeah. embarrassing things that you're yeah. like. Oh, you're stuff like, that oh. makes you cringe. You're like, like you're like, oh, fuck, don't say that. But like it's charming to her because she can tell that he's being vulnerable, which might be something that she doesn't get a whole lot with sincerity, not just like I want to bang you. Yeah, I agree with you. There's there's a there's a humanity to him that like is very fun to watch because you're like Evan is not there to be exclusively a um a character that we cast our male fantasies on. He's supposed to be a real person that makes mistakes and is charming and is fun and is not fun sometimes. Yeah, and says a lot of dumb things and I don't think that the movie is like portraying him as like some sort of perfect bro fantasy. I do think he is a little bit of a bro. I mean, he comes from a small town. He got out to go to college and had to go right back where he's surrounded by, you know, a, a towny bar with everyone knows your name and it's just people. Can we pause here real quick? 
Can yeah. pause here real quick? This is the first time I've ever seen Southern California shot as almost like a hellhole, even though yeah. they clearly love Southern California. It, it, it reminds me so much of like Bismarck, North Dakota, Fargo, North Dakota, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, like that type of small bar where people know each other. There's eight people in there and they just drink a lot and you just you just feel like you're kind of trapped with knowing everybody. Because it's all shot at night. It is shot more like resolution, very tight, very close, handheld, no sweeping camera work. Um, they are not in glamorous places at all. They're in a shitty dive bar that Evan happens to work at because that's where he can work and that's where his alcoholism is tolerated. Yeah. Um, and he's his best friend is also a booze hound. And it's, you get the feeling that almost like his best friend was just a regular at the bar and then Evan would just keep drinking when work was over as opposed to this was some great friend that was there for through thick and thin yeah and he flies off the handle he beats the shit out of someone that caused him to have to leave town he's in a like rut that's made worse by his mom dying and now he doesn't know what's next so it feels like he is a bro-y type guy from a bro-y type place who has gone through such trauma that that has made him I don't, I don't even know what the word is it's like he under he understands life a little more than his friends he hasn't outgrown them all the way because there's nothing to outgrow when you're in a town like that so i think the movie has a, a very realistic vision of who evan is um and i think louise as a, as a result has a very realistic version of who evan is and it's not doofus gets the amazing eternal all-knowing girl it is sometimes connect real connection between two uh, human beings or people or monsters or whatever else can transcend all their background that makes them who they are. And I agree. And it's um, – I also think he does go through a arc. He clearly is separated from the British hooligans at the beginning where he's just like – yeah, like, I'm not really going to talk about women in that way. And he's, like, a little confused by them. And the movie, uh, one thing I, we got to park here. If we're going to talk about broiness and male toxicity and shit, we got to park here for just a sec. The movie makes fun of Americans, Brits, and Italians, uh, just the men. Uh, so he's with the, the British goofballs. And it makes fun of the British goofballs quite a bit. Uh, they're ex- exclusively supposed to be jokes that... I feel like that's like teasing how there's a group of Americans who come, a group of Americans and a group of Brits that come to mainland Europe and like just treats it like a playground. Later in the movie, there's a group of Americans who are the worst characters in the movie. And like, I kind of don't, I kind of wish weren't in the movie. Not because I don't want to make fun of Americans because I hate Americans also, but because they are cartoon characters. Yeah. And it's really quick, which I think helps that they're just like yell some stuff and then they're food. They, their food and then <laughs> and that helps because Louise is such a sympathetic character who is literally going out of her way to to eat like rabbits and other stuff so that Cats. she doesn't have to yeah so that she doesn't have to eat people that I, I do think I don't I'm glad the movie didn't try to reconcile with oh Louise kills innocent people like this is a person who's trying to rape her yes once it becomes the Louise is a literal monster who kills innocent people. It just becomes a different movie. And I'm not saying it couldn't be a good movie. It's just a movie that I'm I'm glad they didn't go there because then there's a lot more stuff to grapple with besides 
just those two and whether their relationship uh, is going to last beyond the week or whether it really is a like it's a it's a quick love that both of them needed in that moment and moves on. Uh, moves on to something else. I think you said it perfectly. And then the last thing I have to point out is that the movie rarely translates Italian. It kind of it kind of um, lets you go from Evan's perspective, where it's like, yeah, I dig. Like, I love when movies put you in that position. Of like, I, I I'm not supposed to know what's going on. Yes, uh, and and uh, my girlfriend who speaks some Italian could understand every line of dialogue in the movie. So she was like, yeah, I mean, like if you speak, if you've even spoken like. To an Italian for any exper- any extended period of time, you should be able to <laughs> like figure out. They say least- pizza, 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 calzone, Mario. What's oh. a pizza pie? Amore. Oh yeah, this takes place in the Mushroom Kingdom, and Little Caesars is in the movie because of a crossover licensing deal, sort of like Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, and then uh, Louise uh, actually turns into one of those plants that shoots the fireballs. Got and it gets really, it gets really bad when he walks into the house. All you hear is, "Dunna, dunna, 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 All right, can we can we also park here? That song is a banger. Uh, and then after they roast Americans and they roast Brits, boom, uh, roasted, they- ripped your dick off, roasted, <laughs> roasted. <laughs> they also uh, roast Italians uh, briefly, um, but they're way softer with Italians. So that is like <laughs> that is something that the movie is very clear on. The, a lot of this behavior is toxic and gross. And Evan, when he treats her like he's like, oh, "Are you a prostitute?" When he speaks to her, he's like, oh, "Are you a prostitute? Are you like?" What yeah, so sweet like? to ask people that are talking to you if they're prostitutes. Yeah, he treats her like shit. She walks away from him. She's yeah. like, no, I'm not giving you anything. She like laughs at him. She's like, I'm not giving you anything. You treat me like shit. It's only when Evan is like semi-romantic that he that she starts to respond to him. And or just I- like, hey, it was an honest miss. That's the thing is he's not a stalker. He is, this is an honest miscommunication. I am very sorry. But I do, you know, I think you're pretty. I think you're nice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, if you want to go do this, that's fine. If not, I'm not going to bother you again. And and you believe him. You don't – it doesn't get into that I've been pursuing you for weeks. He's just like, I ran into you again. Honestly, my mistake. But you – I would have liked – I wanted to go talk to you that night. I want to talk to you now. If you're at all interested, I'm around. Yeah, it is. And it, we since we follow Evan, we know he's not actually creeping around. Like, she finds yeah. him a few times um, or like the night after they first sleep together. The, Oh, that's a, that's such a again. This this here's my theory in this movie. You have no monster stuff whatsoever, and you just have a guy who ends up going to Europe and meets a girl, and it ends with wondering they're still sitting and wondering if they're going to be able to stay together if he should stay in Italy. I think you have basically as good of a movie. I like, mean, that's, wouldn't that just be before sunrise? <laughs> kind of, except I mean, it's a week. Fine, it's before sunrise, except in an Italian town, but like. Their their uh, chemistry and their relationship is, feels so real. I'm not saying that would be a bad thing. I'm, I'm saying before. No, sunrise, I mean this, this this movie takes it. I think this movie's better than Before Sunrise. I like Before Sunrise. I think this movie's better. Sunsets where it's at, baby. That's my sweet spot of that trilogy. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, this movie is I think better for having um, this other element that I really I love. I mean, anyone who listens to this podcast should know that like, oh, Lovecraft stuff, romance in. But the fact that this movie, I think, almost works to a T without any of it is telling it how impressive 
their natural chemistry in. Yeah, because the naturalism of how their relationship unfolds is given to us um, in longhand. It's a two-hour movie. We get to yeah. see... It's a, it's like a pretty long movie for what kind of movie it is, which is essentially like extremely long. It, there's a there's a prologue which tells you how he gets to Italy, tells you his problems, and then there's a little bit of time before he meets her, and then it becomes a two hander pretty much for the rest of the movie. So us us getting to see that relationship develop and getting to see that it's not just him creepily pursuing her, and also you get to see it sort of naturally develop, and you're like. That is kind of weirdly enough what a love story is. It's just like a series of good interactions and then a little bit of time in between for people to think about one another. Yeah. Like that's that's how you fall in love with the wrong people too, but that's how you fall in love with the right people. So let's let's get into I think we set up their relationship enough. Let's get into I guess we have a little disagreement this time around. Doesn't mean either of us are wrong. I really want to underline that. This movie is very purposely ambiguous. I, I don't think there's any right or wrong to, to see how their relationship is at the end. But I'm going to tell you my perspective. My perspective this time around. The first time around, I thought she's going to stay and they were in love. And this time around, I noticed a lot more of her comments regarding, I don't love you and this is just fun. But it's easy to be with you. But I don't want to give up immortality. Now, she says some stuff. Later on, that does make you think that maybe she's not there, but she does kind of have this, I do like this guy, and I want to spend time with him, but I just, I never get the sense that she has kind of crossed over into love. It does, it does feel like to me that this movie ends with, I am giving, I, I care about you as much as I've cared about anyone else, but I've never been in love. You're not going to switch me over into love. I care about you enough to almost honor his request because his request is give me 24 hours. And I think she kind of sees it as kind of this cute thing like, okay, we'll have it your way. But I don't think he succeeds. I just I think that she is giving him what he wants, which is also fine with her because she wants to spend time with him. And the end of the movie, when the the sun is about to go down or the, sorry, the sun's about to rise. You know, you hear a noise, it cuts back to him. Whatever happens in the next five minutes that we don't get to see is going to determine whether she's transforms into a monster that'll kill him. And, uh, or, or maybe he runs away, but a monster, and then she becomes this new person because that's what the transformation she describes is. Or whether she just stays human and the, and the baby's still inside her. It does feel a lot more like you're adorable and I like you, but. Yeah, I, I told you from the beginning, this isn't love for me. I uh, So, the one thing that I, I think we need to say right now is that the movie constantly sets up that she is, like, she is not only, like, fun and youthful or whatever, but she also is, like, aware that, like, mortals are fickle and mortals, you know, fall in love quickly and that, uh, you know, this, this relationship, like, yeah, like, he feels like he's in love, but as soon as she tells – he tells her – that, you know, his mom just died and stuff that gives her a context to say, like, this is just an infatuation that you need right now because, you know, you don't have a job back home. You don't yeah. have any you don't have family like you. And need it's fine for me right nothing. now because, yeah, it's fine for me right now because you're easy to talk to. And 
I don't get to have connections that often. That's almost like a verbatim line of dialogue, she says. So before he tells her that his mom died and his uh, his dad died and his whole sad story that he really does not want to tell her, she says, oh, you just wanted to come to Europe and fuck an Italian girl and get her picture. Which, by the way, really cool little horror moment. Her picture does not show up on the... Yeah. It's very ring-esque, like her face is all swirled. Cool little supernatural moment. Yeah, there's not that many. We should... Well, let's talk about that afterwards, because we yeah. haven't talked about the supernatural. So, she, so she says... And then she realizes his, his sincerity, and then she starts to take better, like, more uh, care in him. But she also... You're right. She She's sort of like... From that point on, she has a little bit more of a... You're you're like aware that this might just be something you need right now because you have no one. There's even the call right after he discovers that that she's a monster. <laughs> he goes yeah. to tell his friend back home, and just like he described her to him, this this best friend is like just a fuck up. Like he's just like a drinking buddy. Like when she calls him, he's just like stoned and can't understand anything. And it's like, this isn't just like weird circumstances. Like he's clearly always screwed up somehow. Yeah. Um, so all of that kind of comes together where she's like, you're truly alone. You need me. And I, the reason I like the ending and I'm leaning towards this. The first time I was like, oh, She's definitely she's definitely going to eat him. But this time I'm like, oh, that's so funny because because I was like, oh, they're definitely in love. Yeah, is because I feel like this time I'm like her sense of pity and almost caring for him and like realizing that he's the only one that she has in the world kind of turns into for her like, holy shit, this is something that he actually needs and I can give it to him. I can give him what he needs. I can give him a sense of purpose and we can go on these great adventures together. So when she arrives at the end fully formed the same person she was before or not some weird cgi mix of the two or a different actress altogether um i i just read it as just straight her sense of compassion and taking care of him just led her body to lead to this place good or bad which also we have to agree the transformation is a neutral thing i don't think that she needs to stay this immortal thing i also don't think that because she's going to pass it on to their child Right. But she but she, you know, it's important to note, too, that she does not feel like her immortality is a burden. In so many of these movies, people act like I've been eternal for so long. I'd love to fall in love and get out of this. But she is like, no, I love this. I'm just trying to figure out a better process for my transformation. And that's like what she's researching, because the whole point is that. She's like fine for 19 and a half years and those last six months right before she needs to kind of ingest a baby get fucking nuts. And that's how she knows she needs to have sex and make a baby because her body starts changing into her quote, uh, creatures from our evolutionary past. And that's what she's trying to control with the shots. When the shots don't work, that's where she eats um other people and animals because basically their stem cells and their bone marrow, uh, what she's uh, mimicking in her shots and that she's created. It does feel like she loves being around forever and she kind of laughs at him when he's like, look, because he's trying to convince her. That's that's what's so kind of like almost like charmingly cute in a way of like incredibly naive. Yeah, naive. Like, you're not going to succeed, but he is, like, trying to convince her why it's a good idea to have the baby and marry him. And she's like, Evan, you're nice, but I'm not 
giving up immortality for you. And like, and she's, I even feel like when she's like, Evan, it's not a choice I make. Like, you can't convince me if my body is in love. And how you know that's not bullshit is because at the end, which almost feels like a parting gift. Like, I feel like the ending is the parting gift from someone who's about to transform because he, she takes him to Mount Vesuvius, which is where she's from originally, um, which could seem really goofy as I say it, but it works very well in the movie. And she introduces him to uh, her parents and uh, mentions that, hey, it is like gives him like that one last little thing like hey my mom had the same thing and then she fell in love with my dad and had me so she get and she was happy with that decision she gave up everything she sees their charred bodies with his brother with her brother and but to me that's still this time around it read like a parting gift like here's something literally no one knows about me and i'm sharing that with you because you are special. You are different than the other people that I've dated. You are people than the other people that have fathered the new version of me. And I'll rest my head on you as we wait for me to transform. So I don't see the ending as like we still see her. I don't think there's supposed to be any clues in the ending. I think that we the movie cuts out two to five minutes before we were going to get our answer. It, it, this is sort of like an Inception type ending where you're like, there is no correct answer, but it ha- it just it's the one that feels emotionally right. And this episode would be very boring if we were both were just like, it could be either one. But I I think that the 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 thing is that we're watching it. Humans are imperfect. And humans make stupid, irrational decisions. And that that's why the movie has, like, almost rom-com, like, romantic drama feel where it's, like, rationally, this relationship does not make sense. Like, if you, like, sit down and think, you're like, well, no, like, these two people are an awful pairing for one another. Like, why would you – why would we even humor this? Like, she needs to – she needs to keep living her life. She seems happy. It does feel like we would be able to root for them. We're not – we're not – we're not watching – seeing at the end if she gets on an air – if he gets on an airplane or not. Yeah. We're watching in the end to see if the culmination of their relationship as it is, the, this stage of their relationship from birth – uh, until you know maturation, we're seeing that that stage of of a relationship. The fact that she's constantly saying how irrational it is and how crazy it is and how naive it would be for him to to say us and like you said, she's she's charmed by him trying means that in the end she she might have like it might have worked despite her yeah feeling it because despite her knowing because she's like well my choice in the matter doesn't matter. I just never get the sense for her that she is doing anything but almost like make a wishing for him, you know? Your last wish in my life as it stands is this, and I'm going to give you what you want. But I just never get the sense that she's doing anything other than like giving him his time because she cares and she knows that their time is fleeting. Because anytime he wants to talk about it, she – doesn't like I don't want to talk about this, but there's that part in the church where he tries to bring it up and she kind of like flutters off screen like, yeah, I don't know. And she's not being rude because she doesn't want to just end the conversation or to fight on their last day together. I believe her when she tells him, I'm not in love with you. And I never get the sense between that moment and 24 hours later where you see these kind of bits of their – um their road trip that anything has changed except her wanting to give him what he what he wants because i care about this person why not 
I read her saying she's not in love with him, but insisting on hanging out with him still and like dragging him along and taking him on adventures. But he's but clothes. he's doing I, that. No, she no, she is she is the one that takes him out of town. She wants to take care of him because he's being investigated. Yeah, yeah, she wants she she's not just like throwing him to the wind. But I she, see but he as, says specifically on, on, on. spend twenty four hours with me. Yes, and she agrees to the pitch. She is an adult woman. She yeah. can make whatever. Yeah. Aaron, uh, you're taking uh, agency away from her, which I think is like almost Hold an on. act of violence. Hold on. I don't I'm not taking agency. <laughs> I don't know if you're joking. I'm 100% joking. Okay. But, but I am serious. <laughs> like, she had, but it was his suggestion. Uh, of course she's serious. an adult woman it's who her, agrees. His suggestion, but she could have easily said no, but go here or go to the airport like fuck off. She is what I read it yeah. as is she is saying in a few different ways. She says that, oh, I'm not in love with you, yet she insists on hanging out with him and taking her to, to learn more about herself and, like, re- reveal herself to him, even though she believes, you know, on her conscious level that she is going to live on and she can tell her own story. It doesn't matter, right? Um, yeah. But I buy it from that perspective that she's, like, even she doesn't fully realize it and she's telling him to sort of, like, ward him off, but his insistence keeps charming her and that also – so she like believes it, like she's like, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not in love with you on a conscious level. But then when the time finally comes, she insists on continually hanging out with him, and like she, she's like, yeah. I might eat you. But like her, the fact that she continues on in the process shows that she is interested to see where this road leads as much as anybody. And you can't just feel like she cares about him because if she really just cared about him as just like a guy, she would. Be like, you need to leave. I might kill you. But she's like, okay, no, you need to come with me because I need to see where this road ends. I, I do agree that she's not sure where it's – I mean, she doesn't know either because, as she says, she's never been in love before either. So, how the fuck would she know? Uh, because if she had been in love, she would have never met Evan in the first place. So, I am not – I'm not disagreeing with you in the sense that I'm saying you're wrong or that there's – there's an answer. I just – in reading her behavior this this time around, it felt to me as someone who – at the very least, I don't think that she thought that she was in love. But you're right. She does make the point that I guess I wouldn't know anyways. It's not a conscious decision and I know that it is easy with you and I have a connection with you that's different than it has been with, with other people in the past. So – I do want to talk about the monster stuff before we go, but that is one of the reasons I love this movie. It does not feel ambiguous in some sort of like inception way. I think it, like you said, hey, every relationship, you don't know how long it's going to last and you don't know when that ending is going to occur until it ends. That could end at, you know, one of one of the two people's death it could end much sooner and suddenly because of a mistake or because all of a sudden one person wakes up one day and realizes they don't want to be in the relationship anymore. Or someone causes the other one great pain. Relationships never end when when you expect them. There's no planned end for any relationship, whether it's a good ending or a bad ending. This movie is is definitely taking that and putting it into a pressure cooker of seven days and more extreme reasons why the relationship would or wouldn't end. But that – it is leaving you with that mystery of, yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows how long this is going to go? <laughs> Maybe how long it goes isn't as important as what it meant to those two at that moment. Oh, so I think the you're exactly right. I think that the 
movie is about how relationships are these these intense fiery things these these things that you form between somebody regardless of of who they are these you just form these intense connections that you you find and the relationship might not make sense because of timing um in your life or geography in a lot of senses or you know like in Casablanca it's because like the whole yeah. world is standing between Humphrey Bogart and the woman that he loves like there's there's reasons to end relationships other than this ran its course and we realized we weren't good for each other and this movie is about uh, the birth of a relationship to the maturation of a relationship and what could be the end of it and it's two people being like this could end today, this could end tomorrow, it doesn't matter because we're in the middle of it and I want to yeah. see this thing through. So I think it ultimately doesn't matter what happens with the literality of, of whether or not she transforms because it's about who they are, how they met, and what this relationship means to them at that specific point in their lives. It's a character drama. It's a character drama through romance as opposed to we need to see them have kids and buy a house and get a mortgage yeah. and have a fight. Like... That's the old joke, right? That's not a new observation that, like, how many crack lists have there been about, like, do you think the two people in the romantic movie stay together? Here's all of our reasons why or why not we think that, you know, fucking Lloyd Dobler and Diane Cord are going to break up someday, you know? And I think that's just missing the point of movies in general. But this movie, I think, literalizes that every every day is a day that you don't know what your relationship is going to bring and you don't know whether you're going to be together at the end of that day. And yeah, when your significant other isn't a Lovecraftian eternal monster, you have a little more normalcy between day to day. But this movie is about that unknowable, unknowable future to your relationship in a, in a very condensed version. Like, you know, not to get too sad, but at some point, uh, mine and my wife's relationship is going to end, and at some point, your and your fiance's relationship is going to end, and we have no idea what day that's going to be, and for what reason, and, and for what reason. It could be, hopefully, you know, uh, our relationship ends in a mutual suicide pact when we're a hundred <laughs> and don't want to live anymore on these machines that are keeping us alive. Yeah. While our children and grandchildren openly weep and be like, thank you for showing me labyrinth. Yeah. Stuff like good things like that. And I'm like, watch labyrinth. I hope, I hope that my, uh, our Jaeger that we share, because of course we're drift compatible, um, gets sliced in half by a kaiju, but it distracts him just enough that our children's, uh, Jaeger. Oh, did you go through the water dimension? Yes. Did you go through the water dimension? Yes. Oh, and I hope my children gotta kaiju see the can, water dimension. Yes, I hope my children's kaiju's can seal the, the the breach and save the world, and our sacrifice will be meaningful, and our our relationship will end uh, fighting a kaiju. But that's just like kind of a pat answer. These dreams, the moment. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Or just like, or just like, we both eat the wrong steak and we're old and weak. Um, yeah, I mean, you just hopefully that's what it is. Hopefully, it's like you guys gave up meat for forty years and are finally like, oh shit, let's do it one more. Ah, I forgot meat's murder and now it's murdering us. <laughs> um, this is the worst tales from the crypt episode ever. Dun dun dun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the whole point. I mean, th- that is un- that is the point of this movie is that like. All relationships have an uncertain future. 
everyone who's sitting there rooting for their for her to give up eternity and and uh and stay with Evan is not also recognizing that yeah sure that relationship could be a love of a lifetime and they die together in the ashes of a volcano holding their the the child that they also love or Evan is like what the fuck am I doing and leaves that's the thing it's like you just don't know how these things are going to end and that move the, this movie is ultimately about the uncertainty of trusting a person that much with with everything that it is about you because they do sh- end up sharing basically everything in powerpoint or you know cliff notes version of each other to the other person and how that leaves you vulnerable waiting to see what the sunrise brings yeah that's beautifully put aaron i think that that's a you know like what's the alternative if he falls out of love with her that he like <laughs> he like stays together in a horrible yeah. marriage because like <sighs> he, he's like i agreed to this so yeah fuck uh I, yeah i really was just going through a moment not a good time to commit and take someone's eternal life. So yeah, so let's um let's quickly talk about it is so funny that we've basically not spent at all talking about the fact that she is a eternal Lovecraftian monster. The movie kind of tentacles. just thinks it's like a part of her. It's like not the movie is not like concerned with it that much, which is no, like, there's, it's beautiful. There's less moments about it than I remembered. I remembered it being – because it's so impactful, I remembered it being a bigger part of this movie. And it really is – there's that weird ceremony, which I still don't quite understand what she was trying to do. Okay, let's let's walk through it. She is going through a ceremony where she is killing cats and putting a blood – She's getting their stem cells. Yeah, she's putting blood on the wall – with these um, glyphs, and you're—I'm trying to figure out if she's like trying to like do some sort of like supernatural ritual to—is or is this just something she feels she has to do when she's in that feral state? Like she's just writing in blood because she's like blood drunk. I, she does mention a ritual in that she like was just trying shit because who who knows at this point? But she has like photographs. She lights candles. I was a little unclear. On that part, and, and then she know gets frustrated that, at one point. She like gets frustrated yeah. and just goes and eats the cat and the bunny because she has the two bunnies that I'm she's trying to for experiments. Which order she kills all the animals? Cat, it's cat first, yes. and then because it's the bunnies that she takes with her to the cave for that ritual. And we only see we see it in like very like like all of a sudden her leg looks weird, and we only really get one like full on I'm a monster shot, which is where Evan walks in and she is. They they still don't show her all in one shot, which I think is very good filmmaking because you just see close-ups of her face and her body and then her legs and then like a, a far away shot from her back so that you don't quite get a sense of how much the transformation is. There's a lot of tentacles, but there's like a tentacle coming out of her head. Like nothing makes sense for like 30 seconds, but everything is kind of horrifying. Well, we also have to spend some time showing you how terrifying she can be when she's in her feral state. Like, they actually have a CGI image of her in the alley when she is, like, gauntly thin and, like, almost, yeah. almost between transformations. Um, because she's, Well, that's like, what's so great is because cause they, it's not 
it doesn't need to be consistent because as you said, it's just like, yeah, it's just different genes that are fucking going nuts in my body and and then exploding into me. So I can be a weird like fucking Jersey Devil thing and then also a crazy octopus Cthulhu god. But yeah. She's associated with fertility. That is, there's a there's a image of her in a book, a drawn image of her with the uh, her trademark, which is uh, she has one blue eye, one green eye, sort of a Bowie. Um, what you doing out there, man? And she, <laughs> what do you think her favorite David Bowie song would be? Oh, definitely, I'm a tentacle monster. <laughs> what do you think her favorite Rob Zombie song would be? Oh, definitely. Dragula. <laughs> like tentacle tentacle monster one. fuck baby. Um, is that a, is that a Rob Zombie? No. Um could be. But I've it, only heard Dragula. You should hear more. Uh Hellbilly Deluxe is a good album. Um she uh she is in the the strange amorphous forms when she is uh, unable to suppress this. One thing that interesting I need I need to need to talk to you about. So Oh, sorry. No, when she has just had a moment of like relinquishing her power and she's like good, she like touches a flower and she can bring it back to life. But then when she's like collapsing and and falling apart, she touches some vines in the wall that die and dry up. Yeah. Could you suss out what was going on with the fertility? So I don't even see this. So I don't even see it necessarily. Yeah. Well, that is important. We didn't even talk about that into whether their their relationship is true because she points that out to Evan at one point. She's like, look, let me touch this flower. Oh, look, it bloomed and got crazy. Yeah, I can't even trust that your feelings are real because I do crazy things when I'm in this stage. Like when I'm in this stage where my body and my um, hormones and my – hormones are not even the right word, but like my, my genetic makeup is going fucking nuts, I affect things around me. So – when I'm happy, that means like plants and shit and animals are are fine around me. When I'm not doing good, it means like I am I'm putting enough enough genetic uh, endorphins and hormones and 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 pheromones, as she said at one point out in the world, that like I'm gonna fuck anybody, anything near me up on some level. So that's the other reason why not to circle back. That I wonder how invested she was because she knows that she is putting off something that makes people fall in love with her. Yeah, um, there is – it is a great question and I, I do think that like the next time I watch the movie, I might be more inclined to think that and you know, maybe the next time you watch the movie, you'll be like, you know, she does seem more in love with them than normal. Uh, yeah. Because I think that the movie continually makes arguments for why trying to ration out it – it doesn't make sense, but also yeah, no, like that's true too. Trying to ration out uh, human love doesn't make sense either. In, in spring, when they we get to see so much of their relationship, is because it's just like a series of run-ins in a small town, and everything goes beautifully, and they're like willing to be open and willing to just like see where this goes and continue down the path that they both know. They both know what the path is, even if they both don't know. They both think like, like we're headed towards a, a committed relationship. They don't – he doesn't realize the exact extent to it. That's why he also – he has that moment of breaking down in the square and just walking this beautiful long tracking shot of her chasing oh, him yeah. and, he, and them just like talking and talking because that's him spiraling like in a literal and in a 
you know, technical filmmaking way. He's like walking around in circles in a, in a thing. Um, that That's him being like, okay, this is now what I thought it was. This is now what I thought it was. And that that's him after that scene. That's him re-upping the contract and being like, okay, now that I understand what this is. Yeah. I am willing to keep going with you. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going to like, like the running metaphor, like someone pulls ahead for a second. You wonder if they're going to be match your speed or not. And he, he matches the speed and goes back and. They're going to keep running at the same speed for a little bit, and we don't know where it ends up at the end. It is so appropriate that this month, because we haven't really done that many, like, romantic or movies based on, like, people. We've done people loving each other. Like, we've done a lot of genre exercises. We've done a lot of fun. We've done a lot of horror movies. We've done movies with romantic elements, but this month definitely feels like a big, a, a big step for us. Um, in that, in that we were kind of talking about that kind of uh, the kind of connection that good movies are able to portray, and obviously, like Bram Stoker and King Kong are on a different level, and Shape of Water is about some different stuff. But I, this is, as I said, this is one of my favorite movie romance couples of all time like i root for them more than i've rooted for a couple you just you just want them to be together whether you think they ultimately are or not in the same way that like i rooted for lloyd dobler and diane court which is kind of the easy go-to example so um i'm this was such i'm so glad we did this month uh at your suggestion peter and this is such the perfect movie to end it on yeah, I, I'm really glad that we did this one, and I'm glad that we got to talk about a lot of shit that we don't normally get to talk about. And like you said, don't gild the lily. Don't gild it. I don't like. I don't. You heard of the Gilded Age? Ugh. Too many. Oh, too many. One of the worst. Back then. One of the worst ages. Oh, I hate to be a lily back then. <laughs> oh yeah, you get, you get gilded. <laughs> oh man, Gildy. I'm gonna look up the definition of gilded after this. We're gonna. Fit. I think it's like add metal onto it. Yeah, I think it's like in Game of Thrones and they pour that uh, bucket of metal on that dude's head. So you think the metaphor is like you gild a lily, lily's already beautiful, you don't need to throw some metal on it. I think we're we're making some discoveries about language <laughs> on this show that people have never made before, except for people that work at <laughs> Oxford English Dictionary. Hey, Miriam, take a hike. Webster. I know too. all I know all the languages. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so yeah, this is the end of Love and Monsters Month. Uh great month. I think we we killed it. Uh, A-plus reviews for both of us. Next month uh, is going to be kind of an all-pre-recorded month. We keep joking about how early we're recording these, but I am going to be on uh, paternity leave at work uh, for a month, and we're going to take a month-long break for the podcast, but you're going to hear a bunch of episodes that we've already recorded, and what more appropriate month to do when we're talking about, like, the fact that all of the episodes we listen to will be nostalgic for, because we would have recorded them way earlier, is a is another nostalgia audit where we are taking movies that we saw in elementary school, high school, junior high that we loved and watched over and over, and it's been forever since we've seen them, and we're going to give them a uh, another chance. And I think one thing we tried – we did this uh, November of 2016 – I think we tried to pick more movies that we are leaning towards loving because I don't know. I just right now I kind of feel like I want to talk about movies that I I do love. So I'm very I I, I would be very surprised if watching any of these movies I walk away going, uh, yeah, that was fools rush in. <laughs> 
A, because we're not doing Fool's Rush in. No, But B, no. also the other thing that I'm implying. I I think I'm probably going to love all of these. Um, the, I, I think they're all going to go over well. Um, but that's how nostalgia works, isn't it? Yeah, you always think that. And I guess we're going to be met with the, the harsh light of reality. Well, let's see. So, you've seen – so, our first one, Fly the Navigator – Never seen uh, it. Beth Powder. She will be joining us to talk about Flight of the Navigator. She's very excited. Peter, you've never seen it, right? I've never seen it. So, actually, so that my two movies is a little behind the scenes for these nostalgia months. We both get to pick two movies. So, you haven't seen either of my two movies. So, you could – I don't know what's going to happen. I've seen both of your movies. Uh, yeah. I mean, I imagine I'll like them. I, I hope I hope to like them. I'm probably- well – Flight Navigator, very much a kid nostalgia. Watch it all the time. We'll see. Got some Paul Rubens. Got some Joey Kramer. <laughs> got some Sarah <laughs> Jessica Parker. It's got a Pee Wee Herman voice for a second. Then we are doing Tremors with Dustin and Adam Kosky, who sound like they're going to shit all over it. So they might get edited out of that one, but they'll be on it. <laughs> Both uh, both of us love Trevor's. Uh, and then the other one that I picked uh, that <laughs> definitely has a lot around its uh, neck, a little movie starring Mel Gibson <laughs> uh, called Maverick, which you've never seen either. Um, no, but it is a movie that I wanted to see for years. And then um, Mel Gibson outed himself as a monster. And I was like, you know, maybe I didn't want to see it uh, this whole time. I, I can say pretty definitively, I feel like that if you had seen this Pre two thousand five, you would have loved it. Oh, let's I see given it how high five. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You probably would have hugged him. <laughs> yeah. Let's both promise never to see Passion of the Christ two. I don't know why we would, but I guess it's coming out. But, uh, um, I mean, <laughs> gross. <laughs> so gross. Yeah, I just got sad. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No. Can you imagine like a like if someone said, "What's the movie that you would want to see the least?" And I go, "I don't know." Mel Gibson directing another movie, and they're like, okay, more. Give me more. Okay, I, about another Jesus one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's like, it's like the only way that could get worse if, like, Roman Polanski and Woody Allen stars Jesus and Peter, respectively. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, and so we're doing Maverick, and then we're wrapping up the month with Ghostbusters Part Two. We're really saving. Where did your favorite movie very early? So we're saving my favorite movie of all time with Ghostbusters. We're doing Ghostbusters Part Two, which I watched more as a kid than the original, and I love it. I also watched it more than the original as a kid, and I also love it. Um, you know so, why? Because they got slime packs. Yeah, this is less of a nostalgia revisit than us making an argument why the movie's good. But yeah. I don't think many people have done a good argument for why Ghostbusters 2 is worthy. So I think it's our turn to take a a crack at the bat. I feel like I've only heard it on bad movie podcasts where it's like their big one, like where where I'm in general, I'm not a big fan of bad movie podcasts. Uh, How how did this get made is a very notable extent uh, exception. I feel like the only time I hear Ghostbusters 2 uh, discussed in podcasts is like, oh, you want to see how serious? Like, we're not just going to do The Room and Troll 2. That's right, guys. Ghostbusters 2, also a bad movie. Yeah, because some people are very edgy. Um, it's all, it also depends on the context you watch it in. So we'll get to all of that in Nostalgia Audit April. Uh, so, yeah, this was a lot of fun. And, hey... When you go to sleep tonight, 
love your own monster, which may be your penis? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, whatever genitals you have, is they're oh, equally yeah. monstrous. Yeah. Uh, human beings are just as gross as anything <laughs> in this movie, guys. Uh, good night. <laughs> and good night. Wonder this time where she's gone. Wonder if she's gone to stay. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. And this house just ain't no home. Anytime she goes away. And I know, I know, I know, I know. Hey folks, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we've got just a few quick announcements for you. There ain't nothing in the rule book that says that we can't do some of our own plugs, baby. If you'd like to talk to us, uh, tell us we're stupid, tell us we're beautiful. The quickest way to get to us is our Facebook group, facebook.com slash we love to watch, or our website wltwpodcast.com leave us a comment tell us we're doing a good job only tell us we're doing a good job we're so sensitive we're sensitive boys we're soft boys and uh if you'd like to help other people if you enjoy our show and want other people to be able to listen to this fine fine program that we produce at no cost we don't get any money for this. You guys have yet to pay us anything. We live and we breathe off of good reviews from iTunes. So if you would please go to iTunes, review our show, give us a positive rating. We would love to get more and more people involved in this show and this community. I know you hear it all the time, but it really does help. And we're also available if you don't use iTunes. We're also available on Google Music, Stitcher, Tune in. We're currently on SoundCloud. We'll take that out if SoundCloud goes away. (laughs) That's it. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned, guys, on our Facebook page especially. We're going to have a lot more polls, a lot more prizes, and a lot more uh, interaction with you guys. So keep it tuned in. Uh, Let us know what you guys are thinking. And again, above all else, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch.